98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. The Arizona Cardinals are done and finished with one of the most pointless preseasons they've ever authored in Arizona. I mean, if there was a stat for fewest reps taken by starters from a team that hasn't won a playoff game in seven years, the Cardinals might have just set an NFL record. Not that it didn't have its moments. Greg Dortch and Andy Isabella look like real contributors. And from Victor Demukeji to Cam Thomas, the defense had no problems pressuring the opposing quarterback. But if this team thinks the preseason is so stupid that it's not even worth the hassle, then we should refrain from giving it any legitimacy at all. And here's what's most troubling me at the moment. The NFL just finished unveiling its list of its top 100 players as voted on by the players. The Rams have three players ranked in the top nine and five in the top 30. The 49ers have four of the top 25 and five in the top 50 the Cardinals have won, which means the team has a credibility problem or the team has a talent problem, especially on defense. Either way, there is not a lot of respect around the league for the Cardinals, and you could say the same is true of the Suns. And what the two teams share is a playoff appearance that inspired both mockery and contempt. So much so that, as Vinny just pointed out, Pat Beverly said no one stays up at night worrying about the Suns, and I'm guessing the same is true with the Cardinals until they prove otherwise in games that matter. And after punting on the preseason like few teams ever have, let's just hope they're ready. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Shop online at ChapmanBMW.com. Line up the door. Oh. Technology failing me again. <laughs> sorry about that. Good blast, and I punctuated with that, Bick. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, don't worry about it. It's okay, man. Uh, you know, I'll try this again. Yeah, I am. I think if it works for both teams, um, logistically, it, it can be a good deal. I thought we had some good uh, team building stuff going on, some camaraderie uh, with some of the downtime being in, in a, a new city, a fun city like Nashville. I thought it was good for some of those vets who, who didn't actually play in the game. And the competition was really good out there when we did go against Tennessee at their, their facility. Uh, so I think we accomplished what we wanted and then got out of it healthy. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, after the completion of the preseason game, the loss to the Titans on Saturday, a you know, week that started earlier with uh, joint practices. They practiced on Wednesday, then they had their own session on Thursday, some walkthrough action on Friday before the game. Um, I'll say this. Um, with the way that the preseason schedule shook out this year, Bick, the fact that you know we're, we're, um, we're doing the morning show now. There was a lot of morning practices. We were not privy to a lot of what went on on the practice field. We were. I, I went out there once. I think you were out there once or twice mm-hmm. during, during training camp. Uh, it was just hard to get out there. And I think I, I'm not going to speak for you. I'll speak right. for me. I think that fact is also contributing to the hey, these guys punted on the on the preseason thing because nobody played in, in the preseason games. Uh, but again, when you don't see the everyday occurrences of what's going on on the practice field, we just got glimpses of what one ha- what happened in Nashville right. when they were practicing against the right. Titans. Um, it seems like maybe the most um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
the most conservative approach to um, conserving your stars and starters oh, yeah. that we've ever seen. Yeah, without a doubt. And the thing is, too, and it's I've, I've always been a little leery about this because and because how many times did we hear Bruce Arians talk about We've heard a lot of people talk about how great the preseason was. Steve Wilkes, <laughs> Steve Wilkes, before his one ill-fated year with the Cardinals, came out of that preseason and everybody was raving about it right down to me and Dave Pash. And we saw where that got all of us. Um, the danger, in my opinion, is when you compete against your own team day after day after day after day. If you've got a medio, if you've got a good offense and a mediocre defense, you might think our offense is ready to kick backside. No, they're kicking backside in friendly competition against a defense that isn't very good. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very hard to really get an honest gauge of where you are in context with the rest of the NFL when that's all you're doing every day. Um, so so what's the trick around that? Well, the trick around it is do you have enough proven guys that you know are, are, can have proven that they can play football at a high level regardless of, of what they get out of the preseason? I would say on offense, the Cardinals do have a lot of those guys. Defensively, uh, I'm not sure. I, I do think, and this isn't to say what the Cardinals did was wrong, but it is it is something. Because as Jared pointed out, even a kid like Rondale Moore, no, I'm good. Don't need it. So this is, I think this is clearly a personal belief from Cliff Kingsbury that he just firmly sees this for what it is. I mean, I, I guess I could go through... Um, the the research today, and I know it was health related as well. But the Cardinals have to be the only team in the league that didn't even have their second string quarterback take a snap in preseason. I know. I mean, you, we saw exclusively Trace McSorley and just uh, Jarek Garantano. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so the so the first snap that Kyler Murray takes that counts is going to be against the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that was this close to playing in three consecutive Super Bowls. It's it's a risky thing. And, and the, the people that will refute that will say, well, look at last year. Kyler Murray played a handful of snaps, didn't do anything. We were worried about it going in. Right. What did he do in, in, in week one against Tennessee? Well, he lit him up, and they played great football to start the season at 7-0. and that doesn't mean it's a pattern. That doesn't mean it's guaranteed. No. The schedule is different. Uh, obviously, there's a year, uh, a, another year worth of tape on these guys and schemes and tendencies and all of those things. I'm not saying it won't work, but I'm not saying it 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 it, it has to work either. Also, the simple thing that Kyle Vandenbosch and Max Starks told us about, like, how can you end the season you way it, the way it ended? And not just have some action to get your that taste out of your mouth before you start the real season. Some sort of positive in a game situation before you start the season with that Rams game being the way it ended. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it is that, that to me is is one of the more remarkable things about the sports market is that both of our teams that seem competent enough to compete in a playoff are coming off absolutely traumatic playoff experiences. Sucker punch kind of things. And, and both, both, both teams have to kind of author their response. I, it, it seems to me that, that, you know, we're, we're going to find out right away. But it's, it's a no-win situation because if you do expose a player like the Pittsburgh Steelers did with T.J. Watt last night and he gets undercut, not even a, not a football action that could have been avoided, you, you get a guy who, who gets seriously injured or moderately injured from a dirty play, What's the rationale for that? 
Yeah, that's you one don't thing put you that can't back control. in the bottle. Right. You, so, you, you have to assume if you're playing your star players that everybody's going at that same cruise control level. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. There's always somebody that's trying to do something else. Yeah, I would think going forward, and I've said this before, I think Cliff Kingsbury is among the industry leaders in this new wave coaching in, in, in treating men like professionals. As in, you, you, do you want to play? No? Okay, cool. Because I because I trust you because you're a pro and you know what it takes to get ready for a football season. I think that's why you saw someone like Patrick Mahomes playing. Is Andy Reid probably said, you know, what do you think? Do you, do you need the little reps? Do you want to play a couple series mm-hmm. in this game? He's like, yeah, yeah, let me play coach. And the same deal with like maybe Kyler just said like I'm not playing. Yeah, well, I, well, I we, do. I we, do think that is. I think that's part of Kyler's mindset here. And we found that out last year that he has a disdain for football that doesn't matter. Right, that's exactly right. He he's, he looks at it as what the point? What's the point? Why would I? Why would I subject myself to getting injured over games that don't matter? Mm-hmm. I, I and you know what? I'm sympathetic to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next, in case you were wondering, all these months later, we did get verification from the man himself. Aaron Rodgers was trying to dupe the world with his language. We'll get into that and more NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. They were doing this, I call it a witch hunt, you know, where they were asking every single player, are you vaccinated? You know, they were asking a bunch of big quarterbacks, and some guys were saying, you know, it's, you know, you know, it's personal or whatever. You know, didn't want to talk about their status, and it almost guaranteed you weren't vaccinated, right? So then they were getting ripped, and certain guys said, "Yes, I'm vaccinated," and you know, then they tried to get them to say about their teammates, you know, who weren't vaccinated, like dogged their teammates out. So I've been ready the entire time for this question, and had thought about how I wanted to answer it. And I had come to the conclusion, I'm going to say, I've been immunized. And if there's a follow-up, then talk about my process. But thought there's a possibility that I say I'm immunized. Maybe they understand what that means. Maybe they don't. Maybe they follow up. They didn't follow up. It's Aaron Rodgers on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, back Going back a couple months, remember the whole, is he or isn't he question slash controversy? Oh, I remember it well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now uh-huh. we get the verification all these months later that he, he had a plan in place. And uh, in this instance, at least temporarily, Aaron Rodgers was smarter than the media. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's one way of putting Initially, it. Initially. It yeah. caught up with him, obviously. Yeah. Is that true that there was never any follow-up? Yeah, I guess there wasn't. Yeah, because I I even remember, uh, it's interesting he used the word immunized, but I, I I wouldn't have thought to follow up on that either because he used yeah, that Yeah, to be honest, I wouldn't have either. Well, uh, he said, I was going to say, in the, in the other soundbite, yeah. he explains yeah, here's, what the follow-up was. Here's more. So then I go the season, them thinking, some of them, that I was vaccinated. Right, because they followed, the only follow up they asked was basically asking me to rip on my teammates. Like, what do you say to your teammates who aren't vaccinated? Like, what kind of example do you feel like you're setting, you know, to your teammates who aren't vaccinated? I said, hey, it's everybody's own decision with their body, and we're super healthy individuals. We take care of ourselves. We understand what goes in our bodies, and I don't have any judgment on any decision that a guy makes with their own body, right? But I knew at some point if I contracted COVID or if word got out, because it's the NFL and there's leaks everywhere, it was possible I'd have to answer the questions. And then sure enough, 
I contract COVID in uh, at the beginning of November, end of October, and that's when the storm hit because now I'm a liar. I'm in you know endangering uh, you know the community, my teammates, all these people, and the you know the attempted takedown of me and you know my word and my integrity. Let me ask you this question, Bick. Um, this is a topic that's obviously been on the table since the immunization or the, the vaccination. Say, yeah. I, I slipped. See? I went into yeah. Aaron Rodgers' right. there. Exactly. Since the vaccination was, was introduced. But even from the time that Aaron Rodgers tested positive, and in his words, the blank hit the fan, and you know, he was away from the team, and it was found out he wasn't actually vaccinated. From October till now, so we're talking about, what, 10 months? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it seem like way less of an issue right now? Yes. Yeah, I think like, that's like way way putting it. There's a been a, a, a seismic shift in the thinking and you know all of it. Yeah, I, I've said this repeatedly. I I really I really wish that this had not become politicized the way that it became politicized, and, and I wish we just could all recognize it for what it was. Basically, that nobody had any idea how to handle this, what to do. And and maybe they learned best practices as time went on. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't. But it, it it just became it became so full of anger and rage. Yeah, <laughs> and then it just died down. And then it just died down. And, and COVID's and, still a thing. Mm-hmm. There's going to be players that test positive for COVID that miss. I mean, Kyler Murray just had it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I know. JJ Watt just had mm-hmm. it. He's probably recovered by now, but. Um, it's it's still a thing, but it just seems like it's <laughs> there's other things that have uh, superseded that on the importance scale um, globally now. Yeah. It, it seems yeah. like well, it, well, I, I think I think in the process, I I think no one knew how bad it would get or how bad it would mutate well, sure. all that stuff. But yeah. it's yeah, yeah. Um, just listening, but listening to Aaron Rodgers kind of recap that whole thing. That's oh, if let me just give a heads up to anybody if you like Joe Rogan and Aaron Rodgers, they are in all their glory in this podcast for two hours. Did you listen to the whole thing? <laughs> I, I sort of skipped through it, but uh, if you don't like them, I would say skip this this <laughs> podcast because they are... They do like one another, oh, is what you're saying. Oh my goodness gracious. It, the the follow-up to that soundbite is Aaron Rodgers thanking Joe Rogan for how much support he's given him during this whole time and being able to push the narrative about Aaron Rodgers being I'll, I'll so say, smart. I'll say this. I don't. A lot of people don't like him. Aaron Rodgers is incredibly intelligent. Mm. He thinks he is, for sure. Yeah, I, agree. I think he is. Okay. He went to a good college. The way he flaunts it. Now, he also said in that podcast that he had a professor at Cal who told him he would never amount to anything. That got quite the reaction on social media, too. Like, why would a college professor ever say that? What did Aaron Rodgers do to inspire that kind of reaction from a college professor? I don't know. He said, I should be able to teach your class instead of you. Because I've done my <laughs> own research on it. Yeah, right. Because I've done my own research on it. <laughs> so why don't you sit down, Professor? Uh, let, me right. talk, let me talk to right. you. All right. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Uh, finally get the full explanation. Elsewhere okay. in, uh, in football, the Seattle quarterback situation is all locked up. Get excited, Seahawks fans. Geno Smith taking snaps to start the season. Wow. 
against wow, the right. Seahawks' former quarterback, Russell Wilson, on Monday Night Football. That's a pretty... Look, I think the Seahawks are going to stink out loud this year, mm-hmm. uh, but that's a pretty juicy Week 1 Monday Night Football game. Listen, back to only one game on Monday night in Week 1, too, which I like. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like that, too. Uh, but the the idea that Geno Smith is starting for an NFL team as proud as the Seattle Seahawks in the year 2022 is just mind-blowing to me. When was he drafted? Ooh. By the Jets. 2013? Was it that far back? Might have been. i got to look it up real quick. But he's yeah, he's been around the block a few times. Yeah. So either either Pete Carroll has lost his mind or they have just decided, hey, we have got to uh, we've got to suck it up. We've got to pretend like we care. We've got to lose a bunch of football games. We've got to race to the bottom. And let's go get ourselves a quarterback. Yeah, second round of 2013. Wow. Was a full-time starter for the Jets in 2013 and 2014 and has been a part-time player ever since. Yeah. He's playing, played 15 total games in the last six years. Yeah, wow. they they should. Uh, this is what, what's going to be difficult for them is they're not going to win a game in the NFC West. They better not. You better not lose to the Seattle Seahawks if, you, if you're the other three teams in the NFC they West. They usually play San Francisco pretty tough. You should play the Cardinals pretty tough. That was with Russell Wilson. Yeah. This is with Geno Smith. It also is the power of the uniform, Bic? The <laughs> yeah. neon green and yeah, the action is. blue or whatever they call oh, it. Yeah. What, doesn't this also like show like if you're going to trade Russell Wilson and one of the pieces you get back is Drew Locke and then Drew Locke can't even... <laughs> Did you hear my stomach kind of like growl there? <laughs> I thought you had a frog in the studio. Yeah, I apologize. You know, sometimes... Yeah, like, can your you body... catch the bullfrog that's jumping around back there? I didn't Jay. know if that came over the Come on, Mike. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. You know, sometimes your your body just makes noises uncontrollable to you. This is not. That's not like I I burped or anything that's like that. That's definitely on brand like, for you. Yeah, no, I, I know. I don't. I, I apologize don't. for that. Yeah. But right. what I was saying was that if Drew Locke was one of the key pieces you get back in a Russell Wilson trade and then he can't even beat out Geno Smith for the starting job, yeah, I, like how, like again, it really shows how bad that trade was, right? It, it really, truly does. So I don't. I again, it's it's gonna it's gonna offer a great opportunity to the other teams in the division to get a couple of of, of freebies, which will come in handy. Now, again, the 49ers, I, I guess we're just guessing what they're gonna have. But um, it's it, you know it's funny because I don't know if you saw this over the weekend the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo coming back and saving the 49ers, it's absurd. He, he he is so done with them and they are so done with him. They're just they're giving it lip service now. So they better hope Trey Lance can play. But I tell you, what I saw that last preseason game, the 49ers would have been better off not playing Trey Lance in the preseason because he's got he's he must have that entire fan base freaked out right now. But I mean, how do you how would you do that if if he's going to be know. your guy? No, I know you. Ha- I'm being facetious. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I know you're being facetious, but it also kind of illustrates our earlier point on how the Cardinals. Opted to handle their preseason. It's such a slippery slope. What do oh, yeah. you do? You're damned if you do. You're damned mm-hmm. if you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this 49ers team, as I mentioned in the blast, this this NFL's top 100 list, they have got Debo Samuel, or Trent Williams at 14, Debo Samuel at 19, Nick Bose at 25, George Kittle 22, Fred Warner 47. You got that many players in the top 50, and you're going to ride with a quarterback that's iffy? And none of that matters if their quarterback that's stinks. Right. I know. That's exactly right. Well, it's going to be a run-heavy scheme. You know that. On a yeah. creative run-heavy scheme. Mm-hmm. And if... Uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I still fear the San Francisco okay. 49ers a lot. Coming up next, big day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tonight, their top prospect makes his major league debut. We'll get into the arrival of Corbin Carroll next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Corbin's doing a good job. Um, you you hopefully will see him here in a bit. Obviously, usually around September call-up time um, is when we'll start to talk through uh, calling up or bringing up, giving some exposure uh, to some of these younger kids. Um, you know, we have a group of players now at the major league level. We are trying to figure out where they're going to fit moving forward. So there's a balancing act. Corbin's an incredible player. He is still working on you know moving around defensively in the outfield. If he's not going to play center for us, which he won't probably play a ton of center for us, um, given what Alec Thomas can do out there, and and that's not you know that's great for us because he's a really good outfielder too. Um, that that's probably the best case scenario, and but we still have a lot of players on our major league team right now that we're trying to give opportunity to that are good players in their own right, uh, and we're trying to see what they can do given an extended run of everyday at bat. That's D-backs GM Mike Hazen on with uh, Wolf and Luke just 12 days ago kind of portending hey this is going to happen and here we are yeah tonight, here we are uh, the uh, Diamondbacks will have Corbin Carroll in the lineup tonight against the Philadelphia Phillies this is sort of like the debut of Kyler Murray the debut of DeAndre Ayton this is sort of the uh, a beginning of a very hyped young athlete homegrown athlete that is going to debut for the Diamondbacks tonight I'm real curious to see what this kid is all about because as we said before if you look at him physically he's not he's not like Aaron Judge. He's 5'10 and about a buck 70, you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of slight of build, but he's got, by all uh, scouting analysis, he's got an unbelievable ability to barrel up a baseball. So basically, every time he goes up to, to bat, he's hitting something very hard someplace. And, and that's kind of been his, his deal. And he runs well and he fields well and he's. Uh, being labeled the number one prospect in baseball, as I said earlier, it's even better than being the number one overall draft pick in baseball because it means you've done something. It means that you've already validated a lot of the hype that brought you into the sport. Mm-hmm. Can, can, can anyone here even name, maybe you can, Vinny, but can you even name any of the number one picks over the last like five, six years in baseball? Not really. It feels like yeah, I'm sure Vinny can, but I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think and, most people can't. Unless you're like Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg mm-hmm. and you come in with so much hype, mm-hmm. it's not like the other sports, as you were saying. So once the number one picks a lot of times get in the system, you don't hear a lot about them for a few years. And then you hear about these guys like Corbin Carroll, yep. who become the next it player. Yeah. So the question becomes, why is he joining the team now and not on September 1st, which is when the call-ups are? I think it's because do, calling him up before the September call-ups says this kid's different. It, it doesn't group him with everybody else you bring up just to supplement the roster. You're making this a bigger deal for a player you expect more from. Yeah. And to the point on you know how quick this happened and, and what happens to number one picks... You know they they languish sometimes in the in the minor leagues and and you do forget about them. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days where uh, you know a, a first overall pick jumps right to the major leagues. That just doesn't happen very often. No, I think. I, I mean, when was the last time we, that Mike, happened? Mike Leak, you know, he jumped from ASU right into the big leagues. He skipped over the minors, and that was a 
years ago. He was not the number one overall pick. It just doesn't happen. But he's only played 140. Corbin Carroll's only played 142 minor league games. This is a very, very rapid ascension. And the tendency for these organizations now is to be patient, take time. Okay, it's 142 games. He needs a little bit more seasoning. That's how good he's been. Mm -hmm. They're adding him to the mix now. Let me ask you this question. So we've been talking about this this outfield now. You got Jake McCarthy, you got Alec Thomas. Dalton Varsho has become more of an outfielder, obviously, than a catcher. Um, now you add Corbin Carroll to the mix. People forget about a high draft pick from a few years ago that's currently hurt in the minors, and that's Paven Smith, who had become more of an outfielder than a first baseman. That's five young outfielders. They're all left-handed hitters. How about that? Yeah. That, that? That, to me, is very odd and rare, right? I mean, and, I, and I guess that's better than not, because there's more right-handed starters in, in Major League Baseball than there are left-handers. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the ratio is, but that's always been historically yes. true. Yeah, probably uh, 60%, I would say. Yeah, I would say that's a, that's a good percentage. I think what, what I'm seeing here and, and what I'm kind of vibing on is the fact that there's that a lot of these young players, they're all showing that this is not too big for them. They're all showing um, an elite skill set like Alec Thomas. He's a terrific defensive player. These guys can run. They're competitive. Let's hope Corbin Carroll is going to be the star that they need. Mm-hmm. And however you define that, you know it when you see it. It's amazing how far they've come to in the outfield when just like a year or two ago, they had to force Cattell Marte to learn how to play outfield because they were so thin. Yeah, and now <laughs> they have two guys who could you know, be all-star quality in center field in, in Thomas and Carroll, and you heard Mike Hazen in that soundbite say, as long as Thomas is out there, he's going to be the center fielder. Right. He's been just remarkable uh, defensively in center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll see Carroll in one of the corner spots. Hey, wherever he can play, he seems versatile. Um, but now, what's your guys' prediction on will the by the end of this season will Carroll also get a four hundred million dollar extension like Julio Rodriguez? By the end of this season, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. No, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. But I'm glad you brought that up because there is with you know the call up of a, of a hot prospect. There's obviously a lot of optimism, a lot of buzz, and you're only thinking about the best case scenario, which we should be thinking about now. Uh, Corbin Carroll seems like a guy who is cut out for this. Yeah. But you mentioned Seattle. Julio Rodriguez, they've had two very high-profile prospects in the last two years come up to the majors. Julio Rodriguez has been awesome. He's the face of the franchise. He's already locked up a contract that's going to net maybe $400 million when it's all done. Yeah. Their other guy that they were just stoked about last year, Jared Kelnick. Shut up, Jared. (laughs) Absolutely awful at the major league level. He's got over 100 at-bats this year at the major league level. He's hitting 124. So it doesn't always work no, out. No, it doesn't. Some guys, some guys, there are historical cases of guys who light up AAA but just can't can't handle it mentally when they get to the bigs. Yeah. So tonight's going to be, you know, moment one, and, and we'll we'll see if there's any immediate stardust from this kid. I'm, I'm excited to see him. And to your point, Jared, on the recent number one picks, how could you forget about ASU's own Spencer Torkelson? No. Number one overall to the Tigers. Torkelson. You're an Orioles fan. No, I know. I know. Adley Rutschman. But, but think of like what was the hype of, of either of those guys making their major league debuts. It wasn't like when Bryce Harper got called up. Oh, Rutschman got a lot of run this year when he came up finally. And he's been really good. 
But no, not like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a junior college but player. Has that ever yeah. happened before? But even compared to like when Fernando Tatis Jr. came up, like the guys that are the number one prospect and, and people are sort of just waiting, when, they, when are they going to come up? When are they going to come up? When are they going to come up? Those are the guys that seem to really get the hype. Yeah, true. But uh, this is the most hyped call-up yeah. we've so had. This is, yeah, so, in, in Arizona, in so a long mark time. your calendars tonight, Arizona sports fans. Take a peek at this kid because this kid uh, has been described as the best prospect in baseball. And off we go. And that's from Keith Law of the yeah. Athletic, yeah. who spent about a decade ripping everything the Diamondbacks front office did at which, the minor league level, which gives it even more credibility. But that was when Tony Larusa was around. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a real good happened point. to him. Uh, did you did you hear uh, the, the fan on Saturday night? It was I think ten five at the at the time. The Diamondbacks are getting ready for their second straight win over the White Sox, and you know a lot of the crowds filing out. And Steve Berthium and Bob Brenly are commenting on it. Look at all these people leaving for the exits, and you hear one fan just yell, "Hey Tony, are you awake?" <laughs> <laughs> that's not even White Sox like, fans I, are I, beside I am now. Oh what? Huh? what? No, that's not even the best fan. Chant I, I saw from the weekend was in the Oakland Athletics game where a fan goes, "Give me an A." What's that spell? A's. <laughs> <laughs> Did that really happen? Yes. <laughs> well, there was only like nineteen fans yeah, at the game, right. so, so I'm sure could, the acoustics were great. Easy to pick out. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, we'll continue to talk Cardinals roster decisions. They got plenty to make. Tyler Drake from ArizonaSports.com will join us next. It's Bickley Murata mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We do. We do. Yeah, over the next 24, 48 hours, we'll have a bunch of discussions. There's some deep rooms. Um, we're going to have to make some tough decisions, and um, we'll see how it all plays out. It's Cliff Kingsbury Saturday night. Cardinals wrapped up their preseason with a three-point loss. To the Tennessee Titans, didn't see a lot from any projected starters or real rotation players. In fact, 38 players sat in that game, 42 players dressed. But they got to get down to 53 here to talk about it with us from ArizonaSports.com. He covers the Cardinals for us. Tyler Drake joins us in studio. TD, what's up, man? What is going on, guys? Uh, um, I know you put out your roster projection last week on what your 53-man uh, would look like. And the interesting spots are the ones that we've all been talking about, running back, wide receiver, maybe the quarterback position. Um, I want to start at running back with you because you did not uh, project last week Daryl Williams, the free agent pickup from Kansas City, to make the team. Instead, going with Connor, Benjamin, Ward, Ingram. I know Gambo's put it out there that he is hearing that Daryl Williams is going to make the team. Um I mean, just your your thoughts on that. You think Ingram is a guy that maybe they try to bring back on the on the practice squad? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think just the fact that he's a rookie, they like what they've seen so far. He's got that bruising, you know, want to run through somebody type of mentality. I think he could very well fit into the, to what Cliff Kingsbury wants to run in this offense and could give them another look if, you know, if a James Conner gets banged up or something like that. But, yeah, you know, Daryl being in there, it makes it really, really tough. Just, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I had to go back. I put a name in, deleted, put a name in, deleted, put a name in, deleted. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I landed on Ingram just because they drafted him. They, and I feel like he's done enough to show. And, and while he's 
maybe not as versed in the special teams game. He's picking it up, uh, you know, every other game. And Daryl, I just don't see, I just haven't seen a ton from him. And that might be by design from the team on they don't want him to do too much until the games really matter. But at the same time, I just, this, the running back room in general is just stacked. You got Jonathan Ward, and, and I, it really, and this could come down to a Jonathan Ward, who knows how bad that shoulder injury yeah. is. Maybe he goes to short-term IR, and that kind of alleviates yeah. the Solves whole the problem there. Yeah. yeah, so you can keep all the guys, basically. So that's that's running back room is probably one of the closest ones I'm watching. How much can you, can we trust what we've seen from Andy Isabella in the preseason? I mean, he's... He's stacked games. He's stacked practices. He's looked good. He's looked better than he has the last couple of years. You know, he's getting more looks, and I that you know maybe that's by design. Maybe showcase him a little more to the other thirty-one teams. But I, you know, I he could come out and do a couple of things. I just don't see him really coming up the depth chart in terms of guys that are really going to impact the game right away. I see a guy more like Greg Dortch coming in and being more of, hey, this guy can return punts. He can return kicks. He can give Rondell Moore a break. So I think. Isabella makes the team. I just don't know how the reps are going to shake out when he's on the team. Tyler Drake from ArizonaSports.com, our guest in studio. Staying with the wide receiver position, I think it's interesting. There's some who, who cover the team, and Josh Weinfuss was among them, uh, ESPN.com, who's got Victor Bolden making the team over Andy Isabella. And we've seen Isabella do some, some kickoff and, and punt return duty as we have Dorch. Bolden has ability there, too, although he muffed a punt the other night. Yep. Do you think, and, and I think of all three of those returners, Bolden uh, in that realm probably has the highest upside. Do you think that could be a determining factor on maybe Dorch or Isabella not making the team and Bolden making it? Yeah, I I think the determining factor is really going to be Antoine Wesley's injury if Bolden makes his team or not because he's another guy that, who knows, maybe he goes on the short-term IR too and there's another spot open up for another guy like a Victor Bolden. But in my eyes, I think it's Greg Dorch, Andy Isabella, Victor Bolden. Uh, just those are my three at the back end of that mm-hmm. roster. And, and I just can't, again, I think it comes down to if somebody has an injury, I think Victor Bolden could crack the roster but or go on IR. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's Dorch, Andy, Victor, and I just think Victor's on the outside looking in. All right, what do you uh, what do, what do you think of Colt McCoy's injury situation? It, it, is this something that is concerning? The fact that a backup quarterback doesn't take any reps in the preseason? Uh, I, for me, I kind of looked at it as they wanted to give Trace and Jarrett more time, more opportunity, and for Colt, I think they know what they're going to get out of him. I mean, the guy was catching a pass as a wide receiver the other day at, at training camp, so I'm, I don't put a ton of, like, oh no, this guy might not be Oh great, another wide receiver they need to work <laughs> right, <laughs> Exactly. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's more of the slow roll. He's a s- slow roll. He's a veteran. Let's uh, ease him into things. I mean, he's the backup. He's not going to be starting week one. One, so why need to throw out all those reps and make his arm even more sore? <laughs> uh, going to the uh, defensive side of the ball, um, Bick and I spent a portion of the morning talking about Manny Jones, a guy who's been talked about a lot yeah. from coming in uh, on the rookie show and impersonating Kyler Murray. That was the first uh, glimpse we had of, of Manny Jones, but he's flashed. He's played really well. He was very active. He played over 100 snaps in the preseason, four tackles for loss, had a quarterback sack. Um, as an undrafted free agent, 
it's hard to make the team. Mm-hmm. You, are you penciling him in as a as a practice squad guy too? Yeah. Or do you I think am. there's any chance he could maybe steal one of those spots? I don't. I don't think so. For me, I put Watt, Zach Allen, Rashard Lawrence, uh, Lucky Foto, Michael Dogby as my five uh, for the for the defensive line. And I just think, yeah, Manny Jones. I think for sure is a practice squad candidate. And you know, that's one way to make your name known is is uh, go out there and impersonate the starting quarterback. So he definitely <laughs> did himself some favors there. And I think for sure he's got a he should be a practice squad guy because. Because I think they like what they saw out of him. All right. So cornerback depth help. What, what do you expect? When do you expect this to happen? Because it has to happen, <laughs> it has to right? Happen. It has to. They, they can't go. I'm sorry, but they can't go into week one with who knows what's going on with Antonio Hamilton. Marco Wilson apparently is taking a step back. And you've got Josh Jackson and Christian Matthew who are really not. They're just they're new. So I would say they've got it's got to happen sooner than later. And hopefully we figure out what's going on with Antonio Hamilton, because that's just a very murky, who knows situation right now. now. The Marco Wilson situation to me is interesting, especially he played three snaps the other night for. Uh, and we talked about how everybody who played played heavy snaps except for him. Yeah. In those three snaps, he gave up completions on the first two plays of the game. Yeah. Uh, and a guy that was really, really like. Singled out. We need mm-hmm. this guy to develop. Right. I mean, what's the concern level right now with Marcus Marco Wilson? It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be up there. I'm, I think we all went into this year thinking, hey, it's Byron, Marco, and who else? And now it's Byron, Antonio Hamilton, maybe, if, depending on what's going on with them, and then maybe Marco. So, I, he's, I mean, he lost his spot. Plain and simple. He lost his starting job, and he might eventually come back and get it, depending on what's going on with Hamilton. But, yeah, it's it's definitely concerning I, I obviously last year he got thrown into the fire but you would have thought those reps would have you know translated into him taking that next step this offseason but really he hasn't I wonder I, early in the in in one of the preseason well in two of the preseason games Victor Demukeji flashed and and applied consistent pressure Cam Thomas uh, on Saturday had a couple of sacks and a bunch of quarterback hurries do you trust any of that I mean because who are they going up against and yeah. That's, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, it's it's right. preseason. We got to remember it's preseason. But I would say at the same time, I mean, it's it's good that they're showing something. Yeah. I think we we wanted to see that from Zayvon Collins and Marco Wilson. We knew that they were probably projected starters. Didn't necessarily see that. We saw that more from Zayvon this last game. But yeah, I would say it's at least a good sign that they might have multiple candidates there opposite of Marcus Golden. Who knows? It's going to be a committee. So, I mean, get your best two or three guys out there and see what happens, I think, is where they're at right now. Talking with uh, Tyler Drake from ArizonaSports.com. Before we let you go, um, we've been fed this. Trey McBride is the real deal. For those who have not been privy to every practice session during training camp and the the preseason, if you're just watching the preseason games, you're like, was he out there? I didn't even notice him. Uh, what have you seen from Trey McBride? And I know he hasn't been out there consistently, too. Mm-hmm. He battled the back injury. So what what have you seen this preseason from him? I mean, when he's out there, the one word that comes to mind is just smooth. The guy just looks like he should be in the NFL. He should be playing uh, in that offense and, and looks like looks the part. It's just now getting him the reps, getting him the live reps, getting him targets, getting him receptions, building that confidence. And But, it's for, but at the end of the day, I mean, he looks, he looks smooth. He looks like he could really help this offense. It's just getting him up to that point. All right, Tyler. Uh, when these uh, rosters come out, we're going to grade your projections. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a note. See right. me after class or no, something. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Tyler, thanks, man. Appreciate thanks, Tyler. It. No Tyler problem, Drake, guys. you can catch his stuff on uh, ArizonaSports.com on the Arizona Cardinals. Coming up next, we'll dive into the 9 o'clock hour with some social studies. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.